Welcome to the Friday Morning Men's Breakfast podcast. This morning, Wes White, pastor of Mission Point Church, will be teaching us from Deuteronomy chapter 8 as we continue to look at the Israelites' journey from bondage to freedom in the wilderness. We'll be learning this morning uh, about how not to forget, uh, which is easy for us to do at times, and then who to trust and how to trust. My goal this morning is really is, is to answer the question, how can we enter something new and thrive as a follower of Christ? And I think that's what we're going to look at this morning is how can we enter some kind of new area, a new arena, a new chapter, a new phase in our lives, but not just enter into it, but to thrive in it as well, especially as followers of Christ. And if you're yet to be a follower of Christ, but how do you enter something new and begin to thrive. And so I want, no matter who you are this morning or where you're at in your spiritual journey, I don't want you to know I believe this passage, because I believe it's a living word, will speak to us in every area of our life. Maybe you're online and, and you're watching. So here's kind of the background that we're looking at. Moses is speaking to a new generation, right? This is what we've been, am I, am I right? You guys have been talking about the wilderness? I just want to see if you're with me this morning, this time. All right, just check. A little feedback. I, I do like feedback. Uh, so just kind of FYI. Uh, so yeah, so the Israelites are in the desert. They've been wandering around for how many years? 40. 40. That's right, for 40 years. Just think about that, Moses. Moses spent 40 years before, and he spent another 40 years in the desert. And so Moses is getting ready to talk to this new generation. This new generation is getting ready to enter into the promised land. And so Moses has this, these, these kind of these, Chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8 and chapter 9, you'll see these kind of exhortations from Moses to this new generation to saying, hey, as you get ready to enter into this new land, this new thing that's about to happen, I have some words of wisdom for you. So that's kind of the backdrop. These people are getting ready to go from a nomadic people where they've been traveling by tent and, 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 and been kind of wandering, and they're getting ready to enter into a land where they're going to set some roots. And Moses knows what's can happen and what takes place when we set some roots and potentially get comfortable. And so he wants to challenge this new generation. And so this is what I want to look at this morning with us over the next few moments is as we kind of enter this words of wisdom, we learn some great things in chapter six. Hunter talked about it. The great Shema passage, the Lord is one. We looked at last week and, and Max spoke and you talked about, hey, listen, if you're going to obey, you see a lot of things about obey. And by the way, you're getting ready to enter land and you better not leave anybody there, right? And so we can see that they're set apart. And so Moses is speaking to this nation of Israel as they're getting ready to enter into the new land. And he has some words of wisdom, some exhortations that he wants them to hear. And that's where I want to spend this morning because each one of us is probably in one of these phases. It's just the reality. Either you and I are getting ready to hit something new or maybe not. Right, or we know someone who's going to get ready to enter something new. Maybe it's a new chapter, a new phase. As um, some of you know, as, as Dale mentioned, we are starting to try to plant a church on uh, the Lightfoot to maybe Stonehouse area, and that's something new. Right, that's new and challenging. It's exciting. So, man, how do we enter into a new area and then all of a sudden thrive in that? And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a new job, a new workplace, a new experience. Maybe it's a new grandkid, new something. How do you enter in something new and really to thrive? Or maybe some of us this morning, God will say, well, listen, maybe some of us here are more like Moses. As you guys know, Moses is not going to enter into this land. 
There's a generation that failed to obey the living God and will not see the promised land. And so Moses is not going to see the new, but he has a job of preparing the next generation to see the new. And so some of us here, it might be a Moses moment for us. It might be some things that Moses is telling this new generation that God might press upon your heart and say, who do I need to share this with and these truths with? And so that when they enter something new and they go through a challenge that each one of you and I have faced at some point in our lives, that they might not just live, but they might thrive. That's what I'm hoping this morning that we can that we can gather and give us some words of wisdom this morning that we can apply this week in our lives. And so let's look at, let's read this passage, chapter 8, and then I just want to kind of just highlight some couple of principles from it. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'll read the whole passage and then we'll jump right in. So let's look at it. And I'm reading out of a, a, a CSB version. And so um, here's what it says. Yours may say some words a little bit different or different order, but here's what it says. Carefully follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and take possession of the land of the Lord swore to your fathers. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness that you might, so that he might humble you and test you to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that, that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out. Your feet did not swell these 40 years. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and springs and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, vines, figs, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat without shortage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes that I am giving you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with his poisonous snakes and scorpions a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought you out. Um, he brought water out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your father had not known in order to humble and test you so that in the end you might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained me this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, to serve them and to bow and worship to them, I testify against you today that you will perish. Like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you, you will <coughs> perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. This is a chapter I want to jump into. Real quick. And I want to point out a couple things because I think if you look at the verse one, 
Moses kind of sets his talk up. Beautiful. And for me, he says carefully. And I think if you look at this passage, you'll, you'll, you'll see a couple things that jump out to you, right? Like when I read this several times, things that jump out to you. It seems like Moses is saying, remember, remember, be careful, keep in mind. There's this idea of remembering. And so I want to think through that. So he says, carefully follow every command I am giving you today. And Moses is probably writing all these little exhortations in over like a month period. This is what he's writing about. He says this, so what? He says that you may live. All right. He says, and you may, some of your versions may say multiply. My version says increase, same thing here. So you may live and you may increase. If Moses is saying this, not, I just don't want you to live. I want you to increase. I want you to multiply because listen, God has a plan for you and for this nation of Israel, not just to exist, but to thrive, to multiply, to have an impact on not only their nation and their people, but on the greater nations around them. He says, so I want you to live, but then I want you to thrive. And then he says this, and enter in. It didn't stop there. Hey, listen, you're about to go over. You're about to enter into land, but I just don't want you to enter in. I want you to take possession. Listen, we've been watching the news. There's a big difference of entering into a country and taking possession of a country, right? We've been watching what happened several weeks ago when Russia invaded into Ukraine. There's a difference of entering into Ukraine and taking possession of it. They're finding that out. There's a big difference. And so Moses knows this as he talks to Israelites. He's saying, hey, this is young generation. Hey, you're going to enter in. But listen, I want you to take possession of it as well. It's his goal. So listen to these commands so you may do these things. That you may live. You may increase. You may enter in and you may take possession. And so how do we enter into something new? And how do we take possession of it? See, some of us, man, we enter into certain arenas, but how do we take possession of it? Not for our own sake, because Israelites are doing it for their sake, but it's really for God's sake, because Israel is a holy chosen nation. They're set apart. So how do we enter in something and take something for the sake of the kingdom of God? As you can imagine, this has been a question as we've been trying to figure out mission point, and we're thinking about starting this year, and we've been gathering just a core group of us. We're going, hey, how do we enter into an area? We can enter into an area. And we can walk in there, right? So I, sometimes I do some little chapel seat at Chick-fil-A over there, Moortown Road, thanks to Ren. And, um, and I sit there. But how do you begin to take possession of it? Dave and, uh, is in the back there. He's part of our team along with my father-in-law, Rick. And so Dave and I were, um, just the other day, we, we, we met over there. And I go, listen, let's go, let's go walk. Let's go prayer walk a little bit of these, these apartment areas. And the question is, all right, we're, we've entered into this community. But how do we see the living Christ enter in and take possession of it. And these are the things that, well, this is the questions that Moses wants these young generation to understand. I want you to enter in and take possession. Here's three things I think I wanna pull out. And there's many more. If you read this and you say, hey, what can I learn about God? What can I learn about myself? Is there sin? Is there something I can obey? Man, we could be here for a couple hours and have some incredible insights. So I'm gonna just grab a couple of them this morning that I, that I took from this passage. And here it is. I think, how do we remember? Because I think Moses is a key theme here is remember, 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 remember. And then I want you to know is, I think he answers a question and he'll say, so I think, how do we remember? How do we walk? And who do we trust? And well, how do we trust? If we're trusting something and, or somebody, then how do we trust? And those are three things I think are key that I pull out of here this morning that hopefully will help us to enter into something new and thrive or pass on to something. What I'm hoping 
this morning is by the end of this that if you have somebody in your life that you know that you can kind of just walk this through them. Somebody says, hey, I got a new challenge. I got a new thing in my life. Hey, can I walk you through something that, well, there's people getting ready to enter into a new area and here's some advice. This is what I'm hoping that this morning, end of this, you could take this passage and do the same thing. This is what I'm hoping. So here's the thing. I want to go, how do we remember? Because that seems to be a theme because he says in verse two, remember, remember, remember the Lord your God. This entire journey is 40 years. He's saying, hey, do you remember these 40 years in the wilderness? Hey, listen. And he says it over and then later on in chapter, I think verse six, he says, remember, hey, this I provide. There was no food. There was no water. I provided water. I provided this manna. Listen, your, 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 your fathers didn't even know them. And he's saying, remember. And of course, this young generation remembers that the generation before them, they didn't make it because of their disobedience, right? They remember the stories of, right, the Exodus. They remember these stories, these great truths. They remember these moments of God where God provided miraculously. I mean, think about some of these things. Do do you remember? In verse four, I mean, check that one out. Your clothing did not wear out. Now, for us, gentlemen, guys here, we're like, yeah, man, these jeans are never wearing out. I mean, as a kid, <clears throat> my mom used to make fun of my dad's jeans. And my dad goes, man, listen, I've been wearing these for 20 years. I've got them now broken in. Like, dad didn't want to get rid of his old jeans. And could you imagine the wives going to their husband <clears throat> year after year? Hey, listen, I think I need some new clothes. These are getting a little raggedy. And the husband would look at her and go, what are you talking about? Man, that looks brand new as it did last year. Because the clothes are not wearing out. You can imagine the conversations that took place among women and among husbands during that time. Pretty amazing. Some must think. We wish that was true. Um, but he said, man, your feet did not swell. Like, that's an amazing thing. Don't, don't miss that. He reminds them of these moments. And it is important for us to, to, to remember those things. Think about in your life this morning for a second. Now, I don't know if you've had an encounter with a living God, and I don't know if you've seen something incredible in your life, but my guess is you have. That's my guess, that you have. If not, somebody at your table has, and they'd love to share it with you. Listen, I, I remember my, my son, it's my second son who has cerebral palsy, Nathan. And when he was young, and, and um, sometimes he'd start to walk, and of course he didn't walk until later on in life, but then to the point where he couldn't walk, I remember one time we were, we were back on furlough from our time we were serving in Spain, and, and he was just crawling around, and, and uh, we've been living in a city jungle in Spain, all somewhere at this big house on 60 acres, this missionary house that we stayed at, had all this land, and his brothers and sisters were, man, they were just running around, and you can see my son becoming a little depressed because he can't, because he, well, he just can't walk. And all of a sudden, one day, we... Um, um, he, he started walking. Look out the window, and there's Nathan walking. And uh, so my wife goes and begins to say, Nathan, you're walking. And he says, yeah. He says, uh, I just prayed this morning. and said, Lord, will you, just, will, you, will you give me just one day to walk? And, and my wife, being the smarter one, um, she looks at me and goes, you know, Nathan, you know, you can't ask God for more than one day. And then Nathan, at that time, he's seven or eight years old. He goes, that's okay. I'm good with just a day. So that's when my kid was young. Now my kid's 17. 
And he's working at Chick-fil-A. And he doesn't walk like you and I do. He's the funniest cat in the world. But after six hours, man, his feet hurt. Literally, when he gets out of my car, I believe my, my, my dad could walk faster than him in a walker. And so he hurts and he aches. And so now in this moment where I got his teenage son who's now struggling, like why has God allowed me to be like this? This all-powerful God, why can, he, why can he not heal me? And so now I have to go to my son, Nathan, remember, I don't remember. How do you not remember? Like I have to remind him there's a good God who provides, and I don't understand why he allowed you to be created like this, but here's what I know. He is a good God, and he can do things, and he can provide, and he can do miraculous. And so I have to remind him of the truth of who God is and what he's done in his life. And some of us, there are some young people in our lives, there are some people that God's placed in your life, maybe your son, your child, your child. maybe it's a grandchild, maybe it's a, a great niece or a nephew. They need to remember your, our stories where we've seen God provide in our lives. And so I think it's key to, to remember. Moses is telling the Israelites that is key. And you can see that throughout this text. But I find a couple key things here, and there's so much good stuff here. Uh, due to time, I want to keep going. In verse 5, and I'm going to jump back and forth here between a couple things. He says, keep in mind that the Lord your God has been, well, he's been disciplining you as a man disciplines his son. Something we learn about God. God is a good God. As I disciplined my sons when they were young, man, it was never, it was never to be mean or cruel. It's because, listen, I know when they disobey, they are stepping outside the will of God, and I want them in the will of God because where you're walking in the will of God, people will say, well, you know where the safest place to be is? In the center of God's will. And so for my kids, I discipline them because I want them, and when I saw them leaving that part, I want to discipline them to get them back in there because they are safer here. It's more dangerous for me not to discipline them and allow them to be outside of God's will. And so that's because of Father's love, and that's what he says. But then he says this, so keep the commands of the Lord your God. And how do we do that? Well, Moses tells him. What's he say? Give me a little feedback here. What's he say? Somebody yell it out for me. Verse six. Give the commands, Lord God, by walking. Yeah. It says, but walking in his ways and fearing him. That's what I want to talk about real quick. So my first one is we need to remember. The second one is we need to walk. Notice he doesn't say ran, run. They're about to enter to a new area. They're in a new land. They're about to enter a new engagement, a new area. They don't know the enemies they're going to have to battle. And when they clear those out, they're going to have to set up houses. They're going to have to do a lot of stuff and, 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 and enter into a whole new lifestyle. He says, here's what you need to do. You need to keep the commands of the living, the Lord God, Jehovah Jireh, hey, Yahweh. This is who you need to obey, his words. Because our generation didn't, so you need to. And here's how you do it, by walking. Walking in his ways. So I want to just talk about this for a second. Is I, I just call it the spirit walk. So we're trying to enter into a new area. And so when you enter an area, you heard me and Dave, we talked about I said, listen, it's not just really prayer walking. It's really spirit walking. It's walking in his ways. It's walking in the spirit. And if you kind of read into the New Testament, it's kind of this idea where you says, where you know, Scripture says, "Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit." All right, that idea of being filled with the Spirit. Sometimes in, and I grew up in the kind of the Baptist world, and we didn't talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit because we thought that was more Pentecostal or charismatic. 
Um, and so we use other language. And uh, But in, in, in Scripture of the New Testament, being filled with the Spirit is the same thing as we see in John 15, abide in me. Or maybe in, in another passage it says, let the Word of God richly dwell in you. Those phrases are mean the same thing. So let the Word of God richly dwell in you, abide in Christ, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit is the same thing. They equal the same thing. And so notice what he says here, to walk in his ways, to walk in his word. But look at verse three. What, maybe you've heard this one. After he says, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. He gave you man to eat what you and your father did not know. Why? So that you may learn what? The man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Has anybody here ever heard that phrase before, that last one? Who do we hear that from? That's right. And where was Jesus when he quoted that? In the wilderness. In the wilderness. Hello. Right? So it just might, you might want to highlight that. Matthew 4, 4, I think is the passage where he quotes this. And if you look at that, also Luke chapter 4 talks about the wilderness experience, right? And by the way, if you look later on here, we notice that the Lord is bringing them into the land. It's not them. It's the Lord is bringing them. And if you go back to Luke 4, you will notice that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Like, okay. And then it says this, Jesus being driven by the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, he enters into the wilderness, into this temptation time, into this time of trial. And if you look at it like it's verse 9 or 10, I'm not sure, on top of my head. But it says when Jesus returned, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Hmm. He enters in full, but returns back in the power. Here's what I think. There's a lot of young people, and when I entered ministry, I was full of a lot of something, and um, a lot of wisdom. Hey, I got this, I'm ready to go. But I wasn't sure I had the really quite the power. And some of that power comes from wilderness times. It comes from these wilderness experiences. It comes from these times where you go, whoo, have you ever trusted Jesus really on every aspect of your life? Like when I entered ministry, I, I wasn't even quite married yet. Like marriage, that'll do something to a man, right? It, it, iron sharpens iron. A woman will sharpen a man, I promise you. Right? And it just happens. And so, listen, Jesus left to the full, but when he comes back, he is in the power of the Spirit. And so it's part of the Spirit walk, letting this Word of God dwell in you richly, that we are not to live on bread alone, not biscuits with bacon and sausage, though I like them, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Why? Because letting the Word of God dwell in you richly and abiding in Christ and being full of the Holy Spirit is the same thing. And so Moses is telling these people, let this new generation know, listen, if you're going to enter into something and thrive, you're going to have to understand these commands, and you're going to have to follow these. You're going to have to walk in these ways. Jump over with me real quick just to, to Galatians chapter 5, if you have your Bible. Chapter 5, verse 16. Maybe you, would make, you just want to take a note on this one. So first is remember, second is to walk. Here's what, here's what it says. In verse 16, it says, I say then... Walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. Hey, hey, you want to know how to have victory and thrive? Man, you need to learn to walk by the Spirit. This is what I call the Spirit walk. It doesn't matter if you're a young guy. As I got young teenagers, I got a son in college. I'm getting ready after this. I'm driving up to see. And um, I got to teach them, hey, listen, you can't walk by the flesh because if you do, it's going to not be good, right? For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, the spirit desires what's against the flesh. 
And he, he tells these things, hey, the works of the flesh are obvious. And he talks about this, but then he talks about, here's the, here's the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Law is not against such things. And then he says in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is what he's talking about. How do you walk? I mean, you walk in the Spirit. Someone asked me the other day, man, how are we going to do this church plan? I go, listen, I've read every about church plan book there is, I promise. Uh, and here's what I've gathered in my times of church planning. And, and well, I've been part of it in, in Georgia and North Carolina and California and Spain and now here. Here's one thing I've learned. It's not about a process. You can have the greatest processes in the world, but if you're not walking in spirit, forget it. It's a spirit walk. It's me saying, I believe that when scripture writes in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, when Jesus says, hey, will you pray to the Lord a harvest for laborers? Because he says this, the harvest is right, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of harvest that he might send out laborers into the harvest field. And so Jesus himself said, hey, listen, there's a harvest that is out here where I live, work, and play. And it's right, but we lack laborers. Then here's one thing I know. There, are, there is harvest out there. Now it's just whether I can walk in the spirit and follow him and be obedient to him. And then how do I inspire the next generation to do the same thing? Man, listen, there's eternity at stake here. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And I pray underneath our watch the kingdom of light shines brighter than the darkness of the kingdom of darkness. It's our watch. We have to learn to walk in the spirit. We need to. Take back with ancient ways what we see in Acts. This is they walked in the spirit. When I traveled overseas in, in Thailand, Mike, man, this is what I see. They, they, they don't have the great systematic theologies. They don't have all these processes. But I go, how in the world do they plant 300 churches in the middle of the first year of the pandemic? And I met, talked to the one, uh, one of the ladies who's the daughter of the person who's doing this incredible work in Thailand just a month ago. And she came to our mission point and just spoke. And afterwards, she said, hey, do you remember that providence of Fitchit, which was beside where we were? There are 848 villages with no church, no light, no darkness. She goes, I want you to know after one year, every one of those villages, there is now a house church or a micro church or a missional community in every single one of those villages. I go, what? How are they doing that? Walking in the spirit. Now, that's not saying if we don't see those results, we're not walking in the spirit. Because I served in Spain. It is hard. We just didn't see those same results. But I do know we have to learn to walk on spirit. All right. And not only do I think we need to walk on spirit, so let me just say this real quick, man. Is there something in your life that's keeping you from walking in spirit? Well, when's the last time that you felt the, the prompting of the spirit? I use this little analogy called SWAP, S-W-A-P. You surrender to the Lord every area of your life. The W is you wait on the Lord patiently. The A is you avoid every sin and unrighteousness. And the P stands for pursue the promptings of the Spirit. Right? And it's not like they go in order. Right? It's, they kind of work all at the same time. I'm always surrendering. I'm always waiting. I'm always trying to avoid every sin and unrighteousness. And I'm also pursuing the promptings of the Spirit. We call that kind of spirit walk. And we have to learn to do that if we're going to make a great impact on people's lives. And so I don't know about you, but what is the area in your life that you go, hey, what is hindering for me from walking in the Spirit? To do something that God wants me to do or to speak with something. Is there a fear barrier that's based on me not because of the Spirit? Is there an area of disobedience in my life that, that I need to, to, to change? And listen, guys, I speak this all the time to myself. 
uh, someone else can talk to him. Um, should I go over there? Should I not? Um, should I engage? Like there's these fear barriers, but I need to walk into the spirit. When I started chapeling at Chick-fil-A just to be there because that's the part of the town that Ren knew that we wanted to plan in. So he said, hey, we just sit here. And I go, I can sit there as well as I could at the chapel in the office. And so just as fast or like two weeks, well, I've had a lot of conversations the last couple weeks, but now all of a sudden I'm in my mid forties. And so I used to youth pastor in my twenties and thirties and I felt like I could relate to young people then. But now that I'm in mid forties, I'm walking back into it. I'm going, can I relate to these young people? What are they going to think? Hey, this? I used to have hair. I thought it was kind of cool back in my twenties and thirties. Now I'm bald, a little bit overweight. And I'm going, uh, am I going to be able to relate to them? What are they going to think of me? I go, I don't know, but I'm going to walk in the spirit. And just the other day, a guy walks me, man, I don't think he goes to the Lord, but he goes, hey, can I talk to you? Yeah, absolutely. And he just begins to tell me about his life's problems and, and some issues. And I've had multiple conversations where people just come, hey, can I talk to you? Sure, man. Uh, and Ren goes, can I take him off the line? Sure, go ahead. Um, but I've had these amazing conversations where I, time where I entered into people's lives thinking, man, they, I, I'm too old. They won't listen to me. And then they come back and go, hey, thanks for that advice. You're so too old. walk. You're never too old. You're never too old. You're right. Because, you know, I still call for advice, my dad. And, uh, and then, of course, Rick came and helped me do my breaks the other day, too. So um, I still need advice, right? We, no matter where we're at, we need advice. And so my, 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 my son loves his grandfather. Um, and so just remember that. So here's, here's the last thing, and I'll close with this. Man, how do we trust and who do we really trust? And this is the whole clutch at the end of here. You're getting ready to enter the land, and if you notice the last part is his verse, kind of starting in verse 11, he's talking about, hey, be careful that you don't trust in yourselves, but you need to trust in God, right? The living God who provides, because why? Because you've been a nomadic. I've been providing everything you need, manna, water, everything, but you're about to enter a land where it is, listen, the land is good. There's honey and there's olive oil. And I, I lived in Spain. That's good stuff. All right. And so, listen, this is a good land. And you're about to enter it, man. And, and the rocks, man, they're iron. And it's on the, you are mine. You're mine for copper. You will never lack anything. They're about to go from hardly nothing to a whole lot. Some of us, we can look at our lives when we first started off in marriage. Like, we're like, who can I, 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 do you have anything in your savings account? I'm like, savings account? What is that, man? I'm just trying to pay the bills for this month. Right, we live from paycheck to paycheck, and some of us we live on that part where scarcity. Where there's times where I go, listen, I don't know how to do this apart from God. When I was in California helping with the church plant, I had the church play part of my salary, but we raised the other part. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I remember our, our motor went out in the suburban. I thought, how are we going to pay for this? And God miraculously provided. Like I have no idea. Almost to the dollar cent, I got a mail, a check from someone in the mail. I have no idea who it was from to this day. For the exact amount that I needed to put the new motor into that suburban. Like I'm like, wow, right? So I need to know in these type of things. So this is what he's saying. Moses says, hey, don't forget. So when things get good, and someone says, listen, as we get older in life, our bank accounts sometimes get a little fatter. We get a little more cushion. We, if something happens, like we know inflation's happened for most of us, hey, it's okay. I can handle that a little bit. So Moses is telling this next generation, as you get ready to enter into it, he goes, I listen out in verse 18. I remember the Lord, your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers this day. He's telling them, listen, here's who you trust. You trust God. You rely upon Yahweh. This is who it is. Guys, why? Because his who he is, at his character and his core, who he is, he's a God of love. Of course, we know he's, but he's also a righteous God. He's a just God. He is a God who provides, but he is also a God who disciplines. This is how you could trust him. Remember the wilderness? 
When you guys could do anything, this is who God provides for you. Do not forget that. Do not forget who this God is. You can trust in him because he's a good God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeketh after him. Scripture tells us about ourselves. And here, Moses knows, hey, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and bow and worship them, I testify against you today that you will perish. I mean, Moses remembers, right? The Ten Commandments, right? We, we can see those type of things. Like, whoa, what are you guys doing? This golden cow? Like, what's going on here? Here's a generation that did not enter in. There's a generation that's not here to, in this passage today because of disobedience. And Moses is reminding them of that as well because God, yes, he is a holy God and he will provide you for you, but he is also a righteous, a holy God. And you will perish if you do not obey. And so I think we need to remember who God is. I think we need to walk in his ways. And we got to realize who we trust in. Are we trusting ourselves or are we trusting the living God? There were some of us here today who go, man, Wes, I don't know how to do that. Listen, I realize that if we're going to do something incredible, and this church plan has really brought me back to a point where I got to rely on God a lot more than probably I did before, and it's been good for me. But I realize if we're going to make an impact, if we're going to see people go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, then we have to start doing some of these principles. But it seems overwhelming. Lostness seems overwhelming. So some of you have been watching the news, and I'll close with this. The story of Ukraine, we're watching it unfold. So I've been there a couple of times, and it's been hard for me to watch. I've been over there several times, and I've walked on some of the streets. I feel like, man, I've prayer walked some of the streets. I've preached in some of the churches. And it goes, man, did I preach on anything that helped them? Right, I begin to think through these things. I, I, I see where Zaporizhia was, was bombed, and they circled the nuclear plant there. And I go, man, I was there. And so there's two of the translators that I can still communicate with who speak English, praise the Lord. And one of them has escaped with his family to Romania and is now in Norway. And there's another, there's another translator that I, I, I watched her and communicated with her. And, and just weeks before the invasion, she was skiing with her little sister. And her little sister was the better skier, was what I gather. And she, she posted it. And so I could read it. And she goes, hey, listen. Her little sister goes, because she hadn't been skiing before, um, the translator that I know, the older girl, and so the little sister was saying, hey, don't worry, just look three meters ahead. All right, just look three meters ahead. Don't worry, don't look down the hill, because if you look down the hill, man, it can be overwhelming. It can be scary. You might see bumps that you've never seen before. So just look three meters ahead. So she goes, okay, I'll just look three meters ahead, right? And do this. Then the invasion hits. Russia begins to invade and come in. And they got to start leaving everything they know, everything they own. And these are a younger generation who's known nothing else. They don't even probably remember the Cold War or the way before. They don't remember the previous Soviet Union because they've been, they've been born on this side of 89. And they're walking because the cars run out of gas and you can't make it so far. And she looks at her little sister as they begin to just carry her stuff. But she just goes, just look three meters ahead. Just look three meters ahead. I mean, I don't know how we're going to win this world for Christ, but I know if you and I will walk in the spirit and remember who he is and trust in him, and we'll just look three meters ahead, we can do it. Because God's word says what? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, not a spotlight. Back then, the lamps would carry out, maybe out front, but only maybe look 10 feet in front of you, which I don't know if that's three meters or not. Someone who knows probably close. Thank you. Depends on your lamp, right? How good it was, right? Uh, 
And here's what I mean. It's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Jesus doesn't want us to look all the way down the road, but right in front of us, he's saying, hey, this is my light. Abide in me. Remember who I am. Trust in me and my character. And guys, you will enter this land and you will thrive and you will do something incredible. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on the Williamsburg Friday Men's Breakfast, please visit wcchapel.org slash mensbreakfast. I hope you'll join us again next week for the next installment of our journey with the Israelites through the wilderness. Until then, God bless and have a great week. Thank you.